You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon members. Thank you so much. Join our Patreon for extra episodes, interviews, extra content, and to help support the podcast and help us continue to do the work we do. Go to patreon.com slash ancienthistoryfangirl to learn more. I love you, mammothly. You've been warned. For generations, your people have spoken of this island. They say that it's haunted, that the ghosts are dangerous, that this is the reason none who've set foot here returned. The legends speak of terrible monsters, not quite of this world, not yet in the next, that haunt its mountains and great sweeping plains. But you've also heard it's a hunting ground, rich with seabirds, the cold seas teeming with fish. There's a place in legend for any who conquer the haunted island, who drive away its ghosts, who make it theirs. And so you gather your friends, you fill your boat with food and fresh water and all you need for survival, and you set out to take on the challenge. The journey is an arduous one. The sea is cold and crowded with perilous icebergs. The wind scours its surface, shoving you off course. It is brutal and frigid. You are exhausted when you finally see the jagged mountains appearing on the horizon, and when you land on the island, it's night. The moon is full. You pull your boat up on the rocky beach. The wind scours down from the cold, high places, and you go in search of a place to take shelter from it. You climb up the beach to the frozen tundra beyond, just as the moon breaks through the clouds, flooding the island with silvery light. For a moment, you catch your breath. The moon-drowned plain... The river that wanders to the beach like a strand of silver, starting in the far-off mountains, rushing past your feet. It is a lost country, undiscovered, and you are the first to see it. And then you see them, rising up in the moonlight. The legends didn't say that the ghosts would be beautiful. Silvery white, their fur long and streaming in the moonlight, glinting like icicles. The legends didn't say they'd be enormous, larger than houses, beyond description. There are a dozen, maybe more, their massive size dwarfed by the cold vastness of the plain. There are no animals like this, not in the world and not in legend. You understand now, this place is haunted. They are not quite of this world, not yet of the next. They call to each other, their cries echoing off the rocky mountain faces. It is a sound unescapably lonely. And now they're on the move, coming toward you, their steps shaking the earth. 
You cannot move. The sea at your back, there is nowhere to run to. You stand still, frozen in place, and you watch them come. The ghosts of Wrangell Island. I'm Jenny Williamson. And I'm Jen McMenemy. And this is Ancient History Fangirl. Jen, consider the mammoth. Oh, shall I? Let me consider. Hmm. (laughs) Consider the mammoth, a massive species of elephant-like mammal, some as tall as 14 feet high at the shoulder, very large. Some of them were a lot bigger than elephants. I think the woolly mammoth was actually about as big as an elephant, but there were species that were bigger. Not all the mammoths were woolly. Some of them were non-woolly, incidentally. What did they have in place of wool? Just skin without wool. Was that like an evolutionary stage in between going from woolly to maybe the ancestors to elephants? Or was it further back when the dinosaurs walked? I don't think they come from when the dinosaurs walked. I think that they're a lot newer than that. And I know nothing about these time periods, so I'm just like throwing it out there for people asking those questions. We consider the mammoth in this episode. We do. Mammoths existed on our planet for roughly 5 million years. Some species were covered in thick, coarse wool. This would be the woolly mammoths. And they were perfectly adapted to the Ice Age world they inhabited. So perfectly adapted that when the last Ice Age ended, so did they. No woolly mammoths have walked the Earth for the last 10,000 years. Or did they? It turns out that the last mammoths didn't disappear 10,000 years ago. Wait, no, is this going to be like that crazy thing about, like, the building of the Spanx last season? No, this is real, Jen. This is real. You're not giving me pseudo-history, you promise? I promise. It's not pseudo-history. It turns out that the last mammoths didn't disappear 10,000 years ago. Woolly mammoths still existed on this earth when the pyramids were being built, after Scarabray was abandoned, when the Indus Valley civilization was thriving... For thousands of years after their extinction in the rest of the world, a small population of woolly mammoths hung on on a remote island in the Arctic called Wrangell Island, which is just such an evocative name. I think I got pulled in because of the name of this island. Like, what is happening? And in their last days, in their end times, things got weird. This is a story about a natural disaster that happened to mammoths. Let's dig in. I don't think we've ever done a natural disaster that hasn't happened to humans. I'm kind of excited. I know. I mean, like, the world opens up when we don't have to just talk about humans all the time. (laughs) So, the first species of mammoth appeared around South and Eastern Africa around 5 million years ago. From there, mammoths spread out across four continents. There were mammoths in Africa, Europe, Asia, and the Americas. The largest species of mammoth, the North American imperial mammoth, was about 14 feet tall at the shoulder. The woolly mammoth was perhaps the last species of mammoth to appear on the scene. It evolved from the steppe mammoth that lived in Eurasia around 1.8 million years ago. By about 200,000 years ago, the woolly mammoth had spread all over the four continents. It was, at one point, a very successful species. And with good reason. The woolly mammoth was perfectly suited to survive in cold weather environments. Because the world was cold back then. Starting about 2.58 million years ago, the globe has been gripped by cycles of glaciation, massive ice sheets that advance and retreat on scales of around 40,000 to 100,000 years, roughly. Despite global warming, we're still in 
an ice age, I think. This has been a little confusing for me to learn about. I'm still kind of learning about it, but I think we're still technically in an ice age. We're just in a period of retreating glaciation. Our last, you know, real ice age glaciation period ended roughly 11,000 years ago, and another one should begin theoretically around 50,000 years from now, if not for climate change, which is predicted to push that date out to 100,000 to 500,000 years from now. Unless we get a volcanic winter. The volcano could either make the world colder or warmer, depending on, you know, carbon saturation in the atmosphere, right? Yes, um, but first it will probably get colder because of the sun being blocked. It's a little unpredictable. It's a little unpredictable. I mean, like volcanoes. Like your favorite war elephant, Ginger. <laughs> what do Jen and volcanoes have in common? They're both carrot tops. <laughs> They're both unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although they do have an eruption cycle. You just need to look for the patterns. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, this is not an episode about volcanoes. I'm going to control myself. We have enough of those this season. Right. The environment that the woolly mammoth had evolved for was an Arctic tundra environment, an open landscape of few trees, mostly grasses and small shrubs, and as we said, tundra. The wind whipping down from the massive ice sheets must have been brutal. In some places, the world was roughly 11 degrees Fahrenheit colder than it is today with some areas, such as Arctic areas, as many as 25 degrees Fahrenheit colder. With their thick fur, woolly mammoths could survive in temperatures as cold as negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. And woolly mammoths may have been the way human beings survived the brutal weather of the Ice Age. Because for untold thousands of years, we lived alongside mammoths. We hunted them, their massive bodies provided us food, clothing, and shelter. Our species may not be alive today if not for the fact that our ancestors used every part of the mammoth. They were the kind of people who used every part of the mammoth. Every part. Glenn was like, what What were the predators of the woolly mammoth? I'm like, I know there was a saber-toothed tiger. Well, people. He said besides people. Yeah, I mean, there were also other things, like really big wolves. I don't know exactly what would have been the like apex predators of woolly mammoths besides humans, but I'm pretty sure with all that megafauna running around, there must have been some. There was definitely saber-toothed tigers, like we've seen them before. Even if a saber-tooth couldn't take down a full-grown woolly mammoth, they probably could have taken down a juvenile, especially if they worked together. Like, there's been camera footage that I've seen of lions attacking juvenile elephants and bringing them down. So that is possible. And I mean, again, there was that comment I had about juveniles, particularly males being thrown out. So that would be the one you'd look for, you know, the poor baby on its own. Well, the, you know, the gawky teenager on its own, right? So there's loads of evidence that ancient humans had a close, even mystical relationship with mammoths. I erased intimate gens. It doesn't sound like they're boning. I'm not saying that the mammoths and the humans were boning. That is the, the first mention of intimate in this episode. It is not the last. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I just want to put that out there. I don't think that the mammoths and humans were boning. I mean, I should have counted the amount of times you used the word intimate because it was a lot. <laughs> Maybe there should be some erotica about this that maybe I should write under a very assumed name. I am sure there is erotica about this. That is the problem, Jenny Williamson. <laughs> but also, I just want to add that I think that this is mostly an unrequited love on the human's end. Like, I don't think this is mutual. Like, the mammoths were not like, I have a mystical relationship with the humans. No, the mammoths wanted us to go away. We were awful to them. Number one, mammoths can't give consent. Number two, of course they did. Everything wants humans to go away. Can't blame them. Absolutely. 
Anyway, carvings of mammoths in mammoth ivory have been found as far back as 35,000 years ago in Germany. Mammoths decorate a cave wall in the Grotte de Raffignac in the Dordogne region of France, dating from around 13,000 BC, known as the Cave of the Hundred Mammoths. There are mammoths on cave walls. There are mammoths carved into pieces of bone and ivory. There are mammoths everywhere in the artwork of the Stone Age, the Pleistocene, shall we say, and the Mesolithic. That too. But in addition to making art of mammoths, ancient people depended on their bodies in other ways for survival. In cold weather environments, killing a massive mammoth meant meat for a long time for your whole family, and the cold environment meant that they could theoretically have frozen the leftovers. People ate the meat, made mammoth bones and ivory into essential tools, and even used mammoth bones to build their houses because wood was scarce in many areas of the world at this time, you know, especially if you're living in this sort of frozen tundra ice age environment. Absolutely. And if you have wood, you're going to probably want to use it to burn things, like, right, to make a fire. If you could even keep it dry, but, like, that's the other thing. Like, it would be damp. It would be exposed to so much cold. Like, if you used wood to make something and you couldn't like lacquer it or finish it in such a way like it would really be exposed to rot a lot. Maybe. I don't know. So, for instance, a structure over 25,000 years old has been found in Russia that was built of the bones of over 60 mammoths. In some cases, the bones used to build houses were hundreds or even thousands of years apart in age, suggesting the bones were scavenged or perhaps passed down. There is a lot of evidence in the ground that Paleolithic people hunted mammoths, but that evidence is not always as straightforward as you might think. It's quite possible that people largely scavenged mammoth remains instead of hunting live mammoths, and that probably did happen a lot of the time, because hunting a live woolly mammoth would have been extremely dangerous. The woolly mammoth was about as big as a modern elephant, with a much thicker, hairier hide. It would have been more dangerous and difficult to kill a woolly mammoth than an elephant due to that thick, defensive woolly hide. In fact, in a modern-day experiment using stone tools and spear throwers that would have been available at the time, researchers were unable to penetrate the equivalent of mammoth hide to an extent that would have done more than make the animal really mad. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you would want to kill an animal like this quickly so it couldn't turn on you, right? So you'd have to be able to throw a spear to get to a vital organ very fast. Yeah, you'd have to be able to incapacitate this animal real quickly. Otherwise, it's huge and it's going to kill you and be really angry. Counterpoint! Counterpoint! Ask a person from the Pleistocene. That person will tell you that, look, there is an art to this. Those researchers were doing it all wrong. You don't just barge in willy-nilly with your spear throwers and your biggest, heaviest stone spear point. No, what you want to do according to some theories, and this has been backed up by spear points found embedded in mammoth bones, is use your smaller spear points. Small, sharp spear points would penetrate that hide easier than the large, heavy spear point. Some spear points found in mammoth bones are barely larger than a human thumbnail. But a second person from the Pleistocene steps in and says, well, here's the thing. My people use the big spear points, and those get stuck in mammoth bones too. We have evidence for both in the archaeological record. And then a third Pleistocene person chimes in and says, you guys are reading the evidence all wrong. Look, if you're seeing a spear point in bone, regardless of the size of the spear point, that is a throw that went wrong. You're never going to kill a mammoth by hitting it in the ribs. What you've got to do is hit it between the ribs with a throw that penetrates to the vital organs. 
See, you want to kill them quick and kill them clean so the whole herd of mammoths doesn't trample you and your friends. If all your throws are sticking in the bone, you're probably dead in short order. So it's impossible to tell from the archaeological evidence which spear points work best because those are all evidence of failed hunting attempts. <laughs> that pleased to seen person is just angry about this whole conversation. I get it. And then the scientists who did that study where they reproduced throwing spears into stimulated mammoth hide, they pop up and say it was functionally impossible to hit the vital organs of a mammoth with a thrown spear. There was no way a human being had the upper body strength to penetrate through to the vital organs. It's just not going to happen. And we're back to square one. I'm giving you this sort of conversation just to show you how hard it was to pick through the thicket of how does a person in the Pleistocene actually kill a woolly mammoth? Like, it's it's kind of hard to figure that out, right, as a layperson. Totally. Like, it's really confusing. And I think that the reality is people just don't know. They literally don't know how they did it. There's lots of theories, but either we don't have enough evidence in the ground to tell us one definitive way, or... It's contradictory. And that's possible because different people use different methods, right? Exactly. Because this happened all over the world. It wasn't just one region where this was happening. Like everywhere there were woolly mammoths, there is evidence people hunted the woolly mammoths. And they probably successfully hunted and killed woolly mammoths. I mean, that evidence is everywhere. People painted about it on cave walls. They put it in their artwork. And it's also in the archaeological record. It did happen. It's just the specifics are really hard to pinpoint. I'm happy with it being an ancient mystery. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So while physical evidence of spear points embedded in major mammoth organs has not survived. Theoretically, it could survive if you found a mammoth in an iceberg, for example, or like a glacier. I don't think that's been found, but maybe it has. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, what we do have are some intriguing circumstantial evidence in cave paintings that early hunters were capable of this. There's a cave in Spain called El Pindal Cave, where there's a drawing of a mammoth on a cave wall with a literal heart. It's a heart, like a modern heart, drawn just behind the shoulder, exactly where the heart of a mammoth would have been in real life. It's a red heart. It looks like a Valentine's Day card on a mammoth body. It looks like a Valentine's Day card that my niece would have given me, <laughs> my six-year-old niece. Like, she would have drawn that card, and it would just be like, I love you, mammothly. <laughs> right, but then you look at that mammoth, 
like the mammoth is so ghostly in that image like it's kind of just emerging out of the cave wall and it does like it's its head is hanging and its tusk is drooping and it doesn't look like a healthy mammoth if you look at it a certain way but then maybe it's just relaxed i don't know i don't know what a mammoth looks like when it's chilled but it it is very ghostly and it's this incredibly haunting image and the heart looks a little bloody and it's like if you look at it one way it's kind of a sweet image look at it another way it's kind of a foreboding image like it's like what am i looking at and what researchers have to say about this image is that the mammoth in the drawing has its left side towards the viewer which is the side where the heart would have been the most vulnerable to hunters. So hitting the heart would have been a killing blow if you could, you know, throw your spear that hard, theoretically. This image looks cute, but some researchers believe that this is practically like like a target practice, like an instructional image. Throw your spear here, just in this spot. Cave wall paintings are so weird because so many images that I've just kind of read about over the years are initially interpreted, you know, really positively by researchers looking at them like, oh, this is just a a woolly mammoth with a hairy hide. And then other researchers come along and say, actually, those are spears sticking out of the mammoth hide. Like, it's like if you look at them one way, it's just kind of a sweet image. If you look at them another way, it's a really violent image. And that's true with a lot of cave painting images. Well, because life was both violent and sweet, I imagine, at this particular point in time, right? Like, consider the relationship humans had with woolly mammoths. Woolly woolly mammoths were a huge danger to them, but they were also absolutely the entire world to early humans. Like, they were food, shelter, clothing, everything they needed. So, yeah, I mean, that heart, is both an instruction manual to how to kill this animal and also the beating core of everything they needed for existence. Exactly, exactly. It's beautiful and haunting. That's why this is so intense. Why I have a massive mammoth hole in my heart right now, and so do we all. You have a massive mammoth boner. I'm just going to go out and say it. Anyway, um, so... Other large kill sites, mainly in the Americas, as far as I've seen, suggest that ancient people, some ancient people at least, primarily targeted adolescent mammoths, not the adults, which would have been too dangerous, and not babies, which probably didn't provide enough meat to be worth the effort, and or going after a mammoth baby means attracting the ire of its mother. Jenny was telling me about this, or I read this somewhere, like adolescent, particularly adolescent males um, in modern elephants kind of get run out of the herd sometimes. And I think that might be what you're seeing here, too, like adolescent, particularly adolescent males might be on their own and less able to have the protection of their herd to take care of them. Therefore, they would be easier targets. And they're still gawky teenagers like they don't know everything just yet, but they think they do. (laughs) There's a side quest on this. All the mammoths that you find the bones of in like tar pits and things are male because the female mammoths, it's believed like female elephants, have passed down institutionalized knowledge, shall we say, about where the best watering holes are, where the dangers are in their environment. And the boys don't get that lifelong knowledge because they get kicked out of the herd. And the girls do because they stay in the herd the whole time. So in trying to figure out whether mammoth social dynamics operated like modern elephant social dynamics, researchers actually checked mammoths that had come to grief in tar pits and mud pits and bogs and things in in the Pleistocene and found that they were all male, all the ones they found. (laughs) I just imagined my dog as a mammoth, like, just like he would be the first in the tar pit. (laughs) Like, poor baby Triz, poor fan dog. (laughs) Your heart goes out to these silly mammoth boys. Anyway. Stabbing a mammoth with spears wasn't the only way to kill a mammoth. 
We're still talking about killing the mammoth. Just strap in. Well, this doesn't surprise me because we know this from like how you train a war elephant, right? Like we've done all this research already. We know what's coming next. If you've listened to those episodes on war elephants, you know what we're going to tell you. You could also lure a mammoth into a pit where you could stab it with spears or train it to be a war elephant. Could you imagine woolly mammoths on the battlefield? They'd be invulnerable with their thick hides. Oh, my God. And their big tusks. There's some epic ancient battles going on in my head that never happened, but would be so cool if they did. Anyway, a site in Mexico appears to have been a mammoth kill pit. Actually, two sites. There's two mammoth kill pits in the same site that people dug out by hand. Dating to around 15,000 years ago, the pits are just north of Mexico City. And each are about 5.5 feet deep and 82 feet long. And they were hand dug. Inside the pits were found over 800 mammoth bones, probably the remains of at least 14 individual mammoths. Intriguingly, the left shoulder bone of each individual was removed. There were other animals found in these pits as well, like the bones of deer. And I honestly don't remember what else, but I do remember that there was one snake. Oh, little baby. That one snake. He should have been more on it, man. He should have been able to feel that disturbance. <laughs> the snake should have been more on it. Yeah. Another possibility, at least in the United States, was that mammoths were sometimes stampeded over cliffs. Ancient Native Americans used to do this with buffalo. And there are some sites, such as the Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump in Canada, where there's archaeological evidence of this. Is it possible that before they used this method with buffalo, ancient peoples in the Americas used this technique on mammoths? It's possible, although no direct archaeological evidence has been found. It's not really up for debate whether people hunted mammoths or not. It's clear they did all over the world. The question is how frequent was this? How did they do it? And did overhunting cause the woolly mammoth's extinction? There are dueling papers about this. Many researchers believe it was climate change that did the mammoths in, that while people did hunt mammoths, it wasn't in large enough numbers to cause extinction. However, Others say it's not a coincidence that wherever human beings start to show up in the archaeological record, large megafauna started to go extinct. This is equally true with mammoths. The problem is that the retreat of the last ice age and human expansion into mammoth territory happened at roughly the same time, so it's hard to tease out which caused the animal's extinction. I come down where I always come down. It's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think that's about where I am too. I mean, I think if you didn't have column A, you couldn't have column B. The woolly mammoth began to seriously decline around 10,000 years ago. That was right around the end of the last ice age, and also around when the human species started to expand to more areas of the world that had until recently been the domain of the mammoth, but had become more hospitable to humans. It's quite possible that both overhunting and climate change were both factors in mammoth extinction. After all, these were animals that did survive several cycles of warm and cold before humans came along. It's possible that at the end of the last ice age, the pressures of hunting and the changing weather were just too much for the mammoths that could have survived one of these threats alone. It's also very possible that causes varied based on region. And I think that's very true, Jenny. Yeah. The story of humans and mammoths is a heartbreaking one. It's incredible to think that an animal we lived so closely with for so long, an animal that fed, clothed, and sheltered us, an animal we probably believed there could be no life without, but that we did not, definitely did not bone with, <laughs> could simply... <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> we did not. We did not. 
show me your fan fiction, could simply have Don't. vanished. <laughs> <laughs> trying to have a heartbreaking paragraph here. Well, then you talked about mammoth erotica. Like, I'm not here for that. <laughs> <laughs> I might be here for that. I'm a little curious. Anyway, we're moving on. Could simply have vanished, leaving us alone to make our way in this world without them. Are we all walking around with mammoth-sized holes in our hearts from one of the first extinctions that affected us all deeply as a species? Do we all in some way still mourn the mammoth? I do. I do. Both of us talked about that beautiful cave painting of the mammoth with the heart, and we're like, I think I need that as a tattoo. I think I need it on my body to show everyone I'm still mourning the mammoth. Right. We need to we need to make this fetch. As if we all don't have enough climate grief. <laughs> However, there is evidence that mammoths did survive for thousands of years after the species disappeared everywhere else in the world in a rare ghostly form in a place called Wrangell Island. Wrangell Island. What a sexy name for an island. It's just so ev- evocative. It is. I want to now like use it in a fantasy world somehow or as a hero's name, Wrangell Island. I don't know that Wrangle is a sexy hero name. (laughs) Maybe a dark, twisted anti-hero name. Like Paulus the Chain. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Wrangle Island is an... (laughs) It's a romanticy name. (laughs) We're doing great with this episode. (laughs) It's such a short episode and it's taken so long. We just can't stay focused. I think we're both a little punchy. I don't know what day what day is it? What time is it? It's one in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm not even drunk. Have you been drinking? No, I just coffee. I haven't eaten anything all day. I'm just on my first diet coke of the day and I'm like, wow, this is who I am now. <laughs> it's hard to have a conversation with us. We're sorry. Wrangell Island is an island in the Arctic off the northern coast of Russia. It's an isolated place, about 87 miles north of the Russian mainland. The closest island to Wrangell Island is Harold Island, about 32 miles to the east. Wrangell Island is a rather large island, about the size of Crete, so 93 miles long and 50 miles wide, with roughly 2,900 square miles of area. Within those square miles, there is a varied landscape of coastal plains mountain ranges that rise as high as 3,596 feet above sea level, sea cliffs, rocky beaches, rivers and bays, and about 900 shallow lakes. 900 shallow lakes, mostly on the northern end of the island. Wrangell Island is currently a nature reserve and is uninhabited, although there are a few abandoned research stations there. No human activity is allowed there unless it's for scientific research. Our book, Women of Myth, is out in bookshops and online. It's available worldwide in hardback, ebook, and audio. Women of Myth tells the stories of 50 exceptional heroines, goddesses, and monsters in world mythology. It's beautifully illustrated by Sarah Richard, and it makes the perfect gift for yourself or someone else who happens to love mythology. Look for Women of Myth wherever books are sold. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. 
Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. At some point thousands of years ago, woolly mammoths migrated to Wrangell Island. We're not sure how. It's possible they walked across ice or that sea levels were lower at one point due to glaciation. We don't know. What we do know is that when waters rose again or ice melted or, you know, whatever happened, the population of mammoths on Wrangell Island was cut off from the mainland. In the rest of the world, the vast majority of woolly mammoths went extinct at the end of the last ice age as the glaciers receded and human hunters expanded into regions previously inaccessible to them around 10,500 years ago. But the mammoths of Wrangell Island lived on, unknowing. They lived on for thousands of years after the last of their kind and the rest of the world went extinct. Weird things tend to happen to mammoths when you put them on an island and have no genetic diversity. (laughs) On a different island, a different population of mammoths was isolated from the mainland and evolved into a new species of dwarf or pygmy mammoths. These were only about 5.6 feet tall and 1,680 pounds, on average compared to the 14-foot-tall, 20,000-pound full-size version. To me, that makes a lot of sense why they'd evolve to be smaller, because, like, there are less resources. Therefore, like, having really big ones means less chance of the herd surviving. Yeah, that's exactly the theory, is that they made it onto this island and then got cut off by rising sea levels or, you know, something, and... They needed to evolve to be smaller to survive on the resources on the island. It just seems like five foot six is not that big. I know. Five foot six is like, you know, a short king. A short king. (laughs) So this happened on the Channel Islands off the coast of California. And it happened to a different species of mammoth, the Columbian mammoth. These mammoths went extinct roughly around when the rest of the mammoths did, about 10,000 years ago. On Wrangell Island, the mammoths weren't dwarfs so far as I know. I believe that scientists think they were full-sized mammoths. But the population was so small and isolated that it didn't have much genetic diversity, and that caused some harmful and downright strange genetic mutations that would have made this island kind of a mammoth dystopia, full of mutant mammoths. A mammoth lord of the flies, shall we say. A mammoth lord of the rings. One mammoth to rule them all. One mammoth to bind them. One mammoth to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. In the land of Wrangell Island, where the shadows lie. Cool! Cool! (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? Anyway, so I'm trying to get through this episode about mammoth dystopias. We, We have literally not had anything to drink for this episode. It's just a wild one. We are completely sober. The population of Wrangell Island was roughly around 300 individuals. In such a small population, there would have been a lot of inbreeding and harmful genetic mutations can accumulate. And that's exactly what seems to have happened to the mammoths on Wrangell Island. In 2017, some researchers from the University of North Carolina conducted a study to track down exactly how these mammoths had mutated. University of North Carolina researchers get around a lot. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, let's continue considering the mammoths. (laughs) The researchers compared DNA from mammoth bones on Wrangell Island to that of three modern Asian elephants and two woolly mammoths who lived on the mainland about 40,000 years ago in a normal population. What they found was fascinating and also tragic. Several mutations were found that appeared only in Wrangell Island mammoths. One was a mutation that affected the mammoth's fur. Woolly mammoth's fur was remarkably well adapted to the cold. 
Their ears were comparatively small, which helped conserve heat and prevent frostbite, and they were fur-lined. They had an outer layer of woolly hair, up to 20 inches long, called guard hairs, that were six times thicker than human hair. Can you imagine the amount of hairs these poor woolly mammoths had in their butt crack? Probably. It grew in their butt crack just naturally. Ew! I mean, you got a guard everywhere, including your butt crack, with your guard hairs. I mean, you know how many times poor Heloise has had poop in her butt crack. Can you imagine they're probably just all walking around with butt crack? Poop hanging out. All the woolly mammoths had serious dingleberry issues, and they absolutely had hairs growing in their butt cracks along with everywhere else. I've never seen researchers specify this, but I think it's because they want to preserve the mammoth's dignity to a certain point. The guard hairs grew to as much as a meter long. Oh, Jesus. Including on the butt crack. No. (laughs) I don't see why it wouldn't be that long on the butt crack. Now I'm like, and then they farted, and then the air is dropped. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) Can we stop? These poor mammoths don't deserve this. You brought it up. The guard hairs grew to as much as a meter long, trapping air that helped insulate the animal while also being essentially waterproof and snowproof. Underneath was a softer, denser undercoat that also provided warmth. Perhaps the animal with the closest thing to a mammoth's outer coat today is the musk ox, which also has a very long, coarse outer coat and a dense, soft undercoat. So if you want to know how big the dingleberry problem was with the mammoths, we should look and see how big it is with the musk oxen, because it's probably equivalent. Or just Heloise. Just ask Jenny how bad it is with her cat. Anyway, scientists used to think that woolly mammoths just came in one color, brown. And you basically, whenever you see artwork about woolly mammoths, they're all brown. But actually, gene sequencing suggests that they came in a range of colors, from black to brown to blonde and even redheads. Absolutely. We've been here since the dawn of time. Yeah, those ones didn't have a soul. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) According to the study, the mammoths on Wrangell Island had a gene mutation that would have turned their fur a creamy, translucent white. This didn't just affect color. It affected texture as well. Wrangell Island mammoth fur would have had a soft, satiny texture, very different from the coarse, rough fur so essential to survival in the cold. Basically, the fur of these mammoths would have been stunningly, ethereally beautiful, looking very well-conditioned, but it would not have had very good insulating properties. These mammoths would have been freezing up in the Arctic weather of Wrangell Island. This mutation also appears in rabbits, mice, and other rodents. And when it does, it also comes with gastric irritation. So these may have been mammoths with gorgeous, satiny, white fur that would have given off a ghostly gleam in the moonlight, but who were also cold all the time and had frequent tummy troubles. Poor babies. Another mutation that these woolly mammoths had affected their sense of smell. The mammoths of Wrangell Island had fewer olfactory receptors for detecting smells, by a lot, than ordinary mammoths. That would have been a big problem because mammoths relied on their sense of smell in so many different ways. To see just how much mammoths relied on their sense of smell, we can look to modern elephants. Elephants have more olfactory receptors than any other mammal. They can smell water up to 12 miles away. And it's believed that mammoths had an equally strong sense of smell. In fact, it's theorized that those Colombian mammoths who wound up on the Channel Islands off the coast of California swam out there because those islands were particularly rich in tasty plants and the mammoths could smell the deliciousness from the mainland. The Wrangell Island mammoths, as we said, had significantly fewer olfactory receptors than ordinary mammoths, 
so they would have had a measurably worse sense of smell in general. But the researchers could tell specifically how their sense of smell would have been affected. For instance, these mammoths would not have been able to smell flowers. Researchers who've been to Wrangell Island describe it as a forbidding Arctic landscape most of the time, except in the spring, when its harsh coastal plains and mountains are absolutely covered in wildflowers. This makes it eerily similar to Ice Age landscapes, because recent studies suggest that those landscapes weren't just barren tundra and grasslands. In the right season, they were positively carpeted with tiny wildflowers. And studies analyzing woolly mammoth poop suggest that they ate wildflowers far more than grasses. The woolies lived off wildflowers. Oh. But the mammoths on Wrangell Island couldn't smell wildflowers. They basically couldn't smell their own food source, their main food source. Did this make it harder for them to determine what was and wasn't a good plant to eat? Did it contribute to their tummy troubles? I mean, I kind of think so, right? And this wasn't the only way the Wrangell Island mammoth's sense of smell was affected. The studies showed that these mammoths would have had a hard time differentiating various scents found in urine. And at the same time, a different series of mutations reduced the number of proteins in the mammal's urine. Many species of modern mammals rely on odors in urine to mark their territory, determine rank among herd members, choose mates, and even recognize each other. This is true of elephants, mammoths' nearest living relative. It was probably also true of mammoths. If they didn't have the ability to either produce or recognize different proteins in urine, this could have led to social chaos among the mammoths. Yeah, and I'm just going to stop for a minute and talk about... My, I have two brothers, my middle brother, not my youngest brother, has three dogs and they have this little kind of dog pack. And the thing about dogs when they live like in a group of three is like there is a clear, there is a clear pack order. And this thing about urine is super important because dogs are so weird, but they also know like if one of them is sick or weaker or whatever, like you'll see dogs sometimes eating other dogs poo or where another dog's gone, they'll pee. Well, what they do when they're doing that is they're, they're trying to protect the animal by, like, hiding their the fact that they're not well. And if they're peeing over something, they're trying to say, like, this is my territory. There's a lot that they're getting from these fecal and also urine cues that if you can't smell, you can't smell that this, this other ma- mammoth is sick and you need to protect them. I feel like poop and pee for lots of mammals is a way of communicating with each other and other species even. Mm-hmm. That's how modern dogs are. Like, I can't imagine how this heartbreaking would be for an ancient mammoth not to be able to smell that their child is sick and needs protection. Like, it's heartbreaking. So, these mammoths of Wrangell Island were not socially well-adjusted animals. The way they interacted with each other would have been abnormal, although it's not clear exactly how. We've seen some articles that describe these mammoths as, like, socially averse. They shunned each other, which it's not clear they did, but that's just one interpretation. What we're picturing is hauntingly beautiful, glittery mammoths that were nonetheless very socially awkward. They all had the mammoth equivalent of face blindness. Other mutations were affected, too. Rogue genes caused a reduction in male fertility, problems with neurological development, issues with insulin signaling. These mammoths were kind of a mess. So it is important to point out here that the researchers who conducted this study only looked at the bones of one mammoth, as far as I know. Did they just happen to pick up on the one very mutated mammoth on the island? I mean, probably not, given the small size of the population 
and the number of mutations, like those mutations were inherited and they came from somewhere. But it's not clear that all the mammoths on the island would have had all the same mutations. Like some may have had different mutations, like mutations that this one didn't have. Some may have not had some of these. But even so, it all sounds pretty dire. And it's still not clear if these mutations caused the woolly mammoths on Wrangell Island to die out or if humans did it. Because some research points to Wrangell Island as clear evidence that humans, not climate change, did kill off the mammoths. The last woolly mammoths died out on Wrangell Island around 2000 BC. The very first evidence of human habitation on the island dates from around 1700 BC. So according to the evidence found so far, humans and mammoths missed each other on this island by just a few hundred years. Even so, it's kind of suspicious that the mammoths died out right around when human beings showed up. Climate change is frequently cited as a cause of the mammoth's extinction. But on Wrangell Island, mammoths lived on long after the climate change had already occurred. For thousands of years, they lived on, despite being tragically maladapted to the cold of their environment. On the other hand, no evidence has been found of humans hunting mammoths on Wrangell Island. We have not found any butchered bones, any spear points in bones, no kill sites. It is possible older evidence of human habitation and mammoth hunting simply hasn't been found yet. And given all their mutations, these mammoths may not have been that hard to hunt, you know? But also, that's the other thing, these mammoths were not healthy. It's also quite possible that genomic meltdown caused their extinction. And is it a weird coincidence that this happened just a few hundred years before humans came on the scene? Sure, but coincidences do sometimes occur. Like so many things about the ancient world, the real answer here remains a mystery. That's it for this week. Leaving you on a sad note. (laughs) Another super cheery episode from Ancient History Fangirl. (laughs) In the ancient disaster season. (laughs) Which is going to be very upbeat. We did do a lot of lighthearted detours about mammoth dingleberries. I mean, maybe that'll help. (laughs) So join us next week for whatever we're talking about next. We don't know. And even if we do, we're not telling you. It's a surprise. In the meantime, catch up with us on social at Ancient Hist Fan on Twitter and at Ancient History Fangirl on Instagram and Facebook and on TikTok. Again, at Ancient History Fangirl. And Jenny, we've got some patrons to thank this week. We do. Our Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash ancienthistoryfangirl. It is a great way to support the podcast. It literally keeps us fed and in wine and coffee. And housed. (laughs) And housed. Apologies in advance to anyone whose name we mispronounce. Hopefully we don't mispronounce anyone's name. Thank you so much to Caitlin Jenkins. Robin Taylor. Aaron Donnett. KW. And Fletcher Valentine. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. (laughs) 